So you have something to share. I do. All right, well, share away. We're coming down to the last week before the Christmas festival. Next Saturday from 6 to 8. Don't miss it. We've got cookies and coffee, and we have the horse-drawn sleigh out to the trail. And on the trail, we actually have a living nativity with animals, even a camel this year. I'm so excited. I wonder if he spits. That's a llama. You, 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 oh, I thought camels spit, too. You want to oh, stand in do. front of him and see if he does? No. <laughs> what if he chews tobacco? Oh, <laughs> I don't think he does. But anyway, we are so excited. So please tell all your friends, your family, get the word out. We have tons of flyers. Grab a handful and get them out in the community. And if you're part of our Hope family, if you want to help, come. Um, I've got some positions filled, but we can always use more. So if you would like to help that day, be here between 5 and 5.30, and we'll ju- I'll just start putting people in places. If you want to work outside, dress warm, because it's chilly-willy out. But we have fire rings. We do. This year we bought fire rings to put at each station, so if you're in the driver. Where's, where's Aaron at? You got this covered, right? Yeah. They're going to be warm. Yep. So all right. all, you don't have to say anything. You just have to stand there and look like somebody. But you've been able to warm up. Just look like somebody? Just look like somebody. We'll throw a shepherd's thing on you and wherever we put you. But, and we'll have subs, too. So if you say, I'm freezing, I can, we can tag team it. So it's a lot of fun. Last year we had a blast. We just really enjoyed it. So we want to see you there. We want you to go through it, but we also need all the help we can get because I'm expecting this place to be packed. Yeah. Amen? To be packed, yes. To be packed. And, and why don't you and, go ahead and tell them about the following week, too, since you're already on it. Oh, it's Christmas. <laughs> I'm done. So we have Christmas Eve. <laughs> Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock, candlelight service, if I can find the candles. Uh-oh, you can't find them? I'll find them. We, we got to be here somewhere. We might have to go with the wax one, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Kids I, will have more fun. Oh, boy. But, yeah, oh, it's so, you know, I would just have to say Christmas Eve service is Pastor Norman and I's Christmas. What we about look, Christmas Day? I'm getting there. Oh. I'm getting oh. there. You tell me to announce it, then you do it anyway. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Christmas Eve is like our Christmas. It's just, we just enjoy the Christmas Eve service. But then, because Sunday is Christmas Day, we get to have Christmas morning service. So we're going to have lots of fun. Shorter. Shorter. About an hour. The kids will be in here. There may be a few games. Maybe. For everybody. So. Like which one? I'm not telling them. Oh, they have to come and find out. You're not going to tell them about the... Never mind, I won't say it. You can... <laughs> The candy, I just love the candy cane game? Yeah, the candy cane game, maybe. How many so, liked the candy cane game? Yeah, see, every, I've, I've asked... Uh, only, I've, only half their hands but went up. I, I had requests to play it again this year, so we will do that. All right. So, all right, all right. Well, thank you for sharing that. You sure? I'm, yep. Am I done? I think you're done. <laughs> thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> all right, one more thing. Stand up. For crying out loud, if i got to look at you the whole... Turn around. I'm trying to pay attention to the announcements. 
thanks. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, welcome to the Hope. This week has been interesting again. You know, we've had all kinds of things going on around here. Uh, had a beautiful night here Friday night with the women's tea. And uh, I'm telling you what, uh, Tammy and her team, man, they put it on. Right? <laughs> Amen. Honestly, events like that will put us on the map, and we appreciate all the effort that you guys put into that, and uh, just thank you. And I know there were hours before and hours after, you know, setting up, tearing down, and all that, and I just want to give you just a, our appreciation uh, as the leaders of the church, so thank you. So this week is, uh, I'm, I'm not done with what I started, you know, talking about the devil and Satan and all that stuff. But for right now, I just felt like I was supposed to shift a little bit. I'm going to come back to that other topic probably in the new year. And so just keep that in mind. But today I just wanted to talk briefly. And I, I did feel like this was something the, the Lord urged me to move into. Uh, it, it really began when I read this blog from a friend of mine. And we've known uh, Sandy Gregory for, well, since we were at the Hope in Lansing, the, big, the mother church. And... Uh, she and her husband, her husband Walt was head of maintenance, and, and he and I got along so well when I was on the team down there. Um, but Sandy is an intercessor. Sandy is a prophetess, and she definitely hears from the Lord. She has a strong relationship with Jesus. And she does this blog, and, and I don't know how often it comes out, but uh, this week she actually started talking about how things we're going to happen quickly. Things were going to happen quickly. And I'm talking in the spirit, of course. Do you know that the spiritual realm is connected strongly to this world? Nothing that we do is outside of that. The spirit realm really dictates what happens on this planet. And and I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know if I said it right, but the Zeitgeist. And the Zeitgeist is a German name, of course, and it talks about the spirit of the age. That if you look at any generation, there's, there is a spirit that is pulling everybody together or moving everyone, trying to move everyone into its own destination. Not godly, let me add. All right? Now, we can obviously say many things about today's generation. Well, what would the Spirit represent? Just look around us. You know, the, the sexuality is so strong today, I, would, I wouldn't even hesitate to say that's a big part of the Spirit of this age. It's running things. It's running our government. It's running so many things. that, And it's all anti Christ. When people function under the Spirit, under what the Spirit is saying is good and, and okay and do this, do that, there will be no offense to that. Well, there will be, as the Bible clearly says. But here's the good news. Everybody say, here's the good news. The good news, the good news is God is going to move quickly. 
And that's what today's message is all about. So, getting back to what Sandy said in her blog, and I wanted to share this with you. She began with this scripture, which I love, and uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20, read it with me. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Who is the Him? Jesus. Everybody say it, Jesus. Promises, promises, promises. I hear it, but I don't see it, she said. Ever feel like that? Oh, come on. You feel like you're slipping into an abyss of broken promises. Nothing good seems to happen to you through no fault of your own. Now listen, some of you, bad things seem to happen because you're bringing it on yourself. That's not who I'm talking to here today. I'm talking to the believers who are practicing their faith, who are praying, reading their word, and living according to those scriptural mandates, okay? Nothing good seems to happen. You've been faithful. You've stood unwavering while the black storms hammered you over and over again. Can anyone relate? She goes on to say you're a train wreck. Ooh. When will help come, you begin to ask. Sandy said that she was then reminded once more of Elijah. How many know of the prophets? All right, these are the Old Testament prophets, and there are two that were really well known. The first was Elijah. The second, Elijah. All right, so those are the two, and I'm not going to talk about the second. We're going to talk about the first. Elijah told the people, especially King Ahab, that there was a drought about to come. And then, later, he prayed for rain. He didn't give up when he saw, not once, not twice, not six times, okay, one more time, the seventh time. And then there was a tiny little teeny cloud on the horizon. Most of us would have said, still nothing even though there was a tiny little cloud out on the horizon. Why report a cloud that small, and this is her word, when you, use a, when you need a gazillion more like it? <laughs> I don't even know if that's actual word, but you get the idea. And then she quotes from 1 Kings 18.45 out of the message, and it says this, Things happened fast, my highlight. Say it with me. Things happened fast. The sky grew black with wind-driven clouds. And then a huge cloudburst of rain with Ahab hightailing it in his chariot for Jezreel. Excuse me. Oh my golly gee. Did you see what happened there? With God, things happen fast. Say it with me. With God, things happen fast. Now Sandy concluded with the fact that's what's been in her spirit. And it has been so, so strong. It's going to happen so fast. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to her a while ago that when things began to happen, it would happen so fast that it would take her breath away. You get the idea? Sandy became breathlessly excited just thinking of it. 
What does Sandy's thoughts about all of this, the things she felt here in this prophecy, what do they have to do with us? In communicating with her, and I, I uh, wrote her yesterday just asking permission to share this, she said that this was not just for her, this was for the church, capital C. God is coming, and when he comes, things are going to happen fast. Now, you might know this if you've been here any length of time, but Barb and I just began our 21st year here. Yep, that's true. And over the, those 21 years, or 20, now 21, we have heard over and over again how God is about to bust loose. I'm telling you, the prophecies, have, they've almost been too many to count. The numbers of people that have come to us, and not just people from inside the church, but people like Dr. Dave Williams, he had a prophecy for us. Cheryl Salem had a prophecy for us, more than one, how God was going to bust loose here in northern Michigan. But that's all fine and good. That's all fine and good. But when's it going to happen? Promises, promises, promises. You get to a point where you start to question, are these people really hearing from the Lord? Is God just playing with us? And I'm just being honest. That's how you start to think when you don't see results. And you, then you start to do this. Well, maybe it's my fault. You know, maybe the Lord's not here because I'm not fasting enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. What are we saved by? We're saved by grace and not by works. Yes, we need to do our part. But when we start thinking like that, who is that from? It is from the devil. God wants the best for us, and he's going to do something here that's going to go beyond our wildest imagination. And then last Sunday, two of our intercessors, and listen to me, I love hearing, I love talking to people. But when I walk off this stage after the service, and you're, if you're in the anointing up here, and I can't describe it, but there's something about being in the presence of God. And it's like Isaiah said, Lord, touch my lips with that hot coal. Something happens there. And you're kind of taken into a different realm. And, you know, I may, I may feel like garbage before I ever step into the pulpit. But once I get up here, God takes over. God takes over. So here's what happens, though. When I come off the stage, there's still that lingering of the Spirit in and on me. And it's really hard, and, and you may say things to me, don't ever tell me anything that's super important right after service. Because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, uh-huh, that's good, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, yep, I agree with you, yep. And then I walk out of here, and I get home, and the next day I'm like, what did they say to me? And it isn't because I don't, I'm not engaged with you. I am as much as I can be, but it's just something about being up here preaching when you get done after service. Dave Williams used to have a team that followed him after service. 
And he never stopped and talked to people. He just shook their hand, blessed them, and went on because he knew. He knew he wouldn't remember, and he probably might say something he shouldn't, which can happen. So if you get offended after service, it's not my fault. I'm going to throw the Holy Spirit under the bus. Hallelujah. Here's what they saw. There's an open heaven. And the angels were all about this room, this church, going back and forth. What does that mean for us? What does it mean? First, we've connected with God. Second, his angels, his messengers are going back and forth. What are they doing? They're receiving the message from the Lord. They're coming back with the answers. Can you get that in your heart and your spirit? That was the first of this prophetic vision. The second intercessor saw a giant wave of water right behind the worship team. I didn't even tell Pastor Roger about this. I don't think you heard it. And that wave was about to crash over them. Hence, this picture that I have up behind me. That's kind of what I saw when this was shared with me. And by the way, I called the intercessor yesterday just to confirm that I heard it right. Because I'm like, man, I don't want to mess this up. I want to make sure that I heard the right thing from the Lord. So a picture, this giant wave about to crash over them. And who is it crashing on? Hello? You. God's church. The water is, it represents the Holy Spirit. And it's about to come crashing over like that curl that you see there. And when you get in that curl as a surfer, what happens? Do you get wet? I mean, you might get a little wet, but honestly, you are propelled. I mean, it's like it's shooting you out of that thing, out the other end, but you're protected by that wave until it comes crashing all the way over you. But hopefully you'll come out of the other end. But this is the Holy Spirit, so it's not like a, 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 a literal wave. This is God about to crash onto us like never before. Hallelujah. And the wave represents God's power that is coming. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, God's power is coming. Like the surfer who is always ready. Always ready. Now, I have done this on small waves, all right? And, and I'm not a surfer. But you have to be ready for that big one to come. And, and what do you do? You start moving with it. You start paddling as quick as you can, and then you've got to get up on that board just as it takes off. And I, I'm not any good at it, but I have ridden a few waves, and it's a blast. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit, was saying through the intercessor that our people are not ready. Huh? What's wrong with that? 
Thank you. Promises, promises. We need to be ready. If you want all that God has, then you have to be ready for this. There are going to be people that are going to be left behind. Everybody here should be sober and listen to what I'm saying. I don't want anybody to be left behind. And I'm not talking about going up in the rapture. I'm talking about this move of the Holy Spirit and God is saying, get ready. Open your hands. Open them so that I can use them. Stop sitting there like this. I want to use you, the Lord is saying to this people. And when this wave comes crashing over, if you're ready, you are going to begin a journey that you've never been on before. And the things that happen aren't even, they're so much bigger than us. So much bigger. As I said to the two of them after they shared this with me last Sunday, I said, number one, I'm excited. Number two, I'm nervous. I'm really excited that God is moving. As a pastor, who wouldn't be? We want him to have free reign over the church. We want to let him do whatever it is that he wants to do. And here's where I get nervous. I don't want to get in the way. I'm human. You're human. And sometimes in the flesh, we can hinder the Spirit and we can keep Him from being able to do what He wants to do. I don't want that to happen here. So there's where I say I'm both happy, excited, and nervous. I, wanna, I don't want to handle this thing. I want it to handle us. But we have to be sensitive. And we have to be tuned in. If you're not tuned in, if you're hearing from somebody else, meaning not Christ, but the other spirit of the age, you aren't going to be of help. In fact, you're going to get in the way. So don't be that person. Don't be in the mode of the Antichrist, but be in the mode of what God is doing here. Jesus wants to move in this church. So what do we do? And this is kind of changing gears into the short little message I have. First, and this is a no-brainer, you must believe. You must have faith. Sandy quoted this in her blog article. Faith is the confidence. Read it with me. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. For us to sit here today and hear what I just shared with you, you almost have to visualize the angels, the open heaven, the wave about to crash over. That has to get in your spirit. Even the part where I said you've got to open your hands, which is yielding to the Lord to say, Lord, what will you do with me? What would you have me do? How can I serve in this time? Faith is an action. Say that with me. 
Faith is an action. If you don't do something with it, then it is no faith at all. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Whenever someone gets a breakthrough in the Bible, it's always preceded by faith. Faith is the key to unlocking God's power. Hebrews 11, 6. I won't read that. You can look it up if you don't know it. Now, I want to look at uh, this prophet, Elijah, just briefly. And and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it would take several Sundays. But I wanted to go back to 1 Kings, and I just wanted to share just briefly some of the things that are happening here that led up to this drought. So 1 Kings 17.1 says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishba in Gilead, told King Ahab, and by the way, King Ahab is evil. He's not following Jesus, and he's married to a wonderful woman, <clears throat> by the name of Jezebel. Y'all know her. If, you, if you've studied anything from Scripture, you, when somebody says you have the spirit of Jezebel, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Jezebel killed people for advantage. She was wicked to the bone. So, He told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Huh. How'd you like to hear that prophecy? Mm, Probably not. Might sound like something that a Californian would hear right now. I don't know. Then in 1 Kings 17, 8 and following, we read a little bit about a widow. She and her son were down to their last meal. Say the last meal. And then they were going to eat it, and then they were going to die. All right, I'm paraphrasing this. And then Elijah comes up. Hey, this is during the drought. Everybody knows there's a drought. Hey, woman. Make me some bread. And she's like, I can't do that. My son and I, we were just ready to eat the last meal, and then we were just going to go off and die. How pathetic does that sound? We're going to eat the meal and go off and die. The Eeyore syndrome. And what did Elijah tell her? Make it anyway, and the Lord will provide. You could go back and you can read this on your own. But it's an amazing story of faith. The woman did it, and then when she went to the cupboard, every time she opened it, there was plenty. Which leads me to exercising faith equals plenty. You will never ever run out if you're trusting the Lord. Now, there are other things that happened, and I won't go into the details right now. I wanted to move up to 1 Kings 18. Later on in the third year, so it's been three years since there's been any rain, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. Everybody go, woo-hoo! 
So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Now, there's some really cool things that happen here. and I, I, I wish I could go into it, but I don't have enough time. But Obadiah, and he's a faithful man, all right? Obadiah is the one that Elijah shows himself to first. And, and he says, go tell Ahab that I'm going to talk to him. And Obadiah was freaking out because they haven't been able to find this guy for three years. The Lord kept hiding him. And in Obadiah's defense, he said, look, if I go to him and tell him you're here, but you aren't here when he gets here, that's the kind of king this guy is. I'd really rather not do that. Can't you pick somebody else? And Elijah told him, I will be here when you get back, so you go tell him that I want to talk to him. So Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, and I love this, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Oh! There's some fun things happening here. Isn't it like the devil to twist the truth? He's calling the man of God the troublemaker. And listen to me. If you're serving Jesus in any capacity, you should get used to this. You're going to be labeled troublemakers. You're going to be labeled a lot of stuff that I can't say from the pulpit. Some of you have heard what I'm talking about. Ahab twisted the truth. But Elijah brought it right back around. He said, I've made no trouble for Israel. Elijah replied, you and your family are the troublemakers. He's putting it right back where it belongs. And what did they do? He said, you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. False gods. Elijah knew this drought was brought on because people had turned their backs on the Lord and the Lord was trying to get them to a place of repentance. Sadly, this man never figured that out. In verse 18, I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused... Oops. Oops. I already read that, didn't I? All right. I'll read it again. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you, you troublemakers? Now, anyone who worships other gods, and this includes self, is an enemy of God. Hello? Today, we don't have as many... I mean, I don't see people out there literally setting up uh, altars so much. There are a few. But most have just sucked into the idea of worshiping self. You know what I mean? We don't need God. We're our own God. I determine what I'm going to do, who I'm going to love, who I'm not going to love. We discard Scripture, or they do. That is an enemy of God. Now, in verses 19 to 40, and I'm not going to read it, 
You can go back there, this chapter 18. This is where the fight between good and evil takes place. All right? Light and dark compete. 450 priests, Jezebel's priests, by the way, come out and they fight against this one itty-bitty little guy named Elijah. God only needs one to defeat an army. And they battle it out on Mount Carmel. And it's so funny. you got to read it. It's so funny because they're beating each other. They're bleeding. They're screaming louder. And the idea was they had this wood set up and they were supposed to call fire down from heaven from their god Baal. And he would ignite it and then they would win. Only... It never happened. They screamed, they cursed, they cussed, they danced. And what did Elijah do when nothing happened? Maybe you should scream a little louder. I don't think he's hearing you. Maybe he took a nap. Again, my paraphrase. And then it was Elijah's turn. They were unsuccessful. What did he do? Bring out the wood. Dig a trench around it. Pour water on the fire. How many know that that does not work? Unless it's God's idea. And he finally finished his work. He got down on his knees and he said, Lord, it's time for you to show up and show off. And fire came from heaven and it consumed There was nothing left. It burnt a hole in the ground. And of course, you know what everybody who was there witnessing this event did. Immediately, you know. Baal was ineffective. I ain't serving him anymore. I'm looking up. Jehovah God. Hallelujah. Yahweh. And this isn't a pretty part, but then Elijah said, kill all those guys, because they're misleading everybody. 450 prophets, false prophets, were murdered that day. Killed. So they wouldn't do it again. And that leads to where we're at right here. 1 Kings 18, 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat. Am I in the right spot? Nope. There we go. Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And that was all it took for Elijah to realize it was coming. Then Elijah shouted, hurry, 
to Ahab, tell him, climb into your chariot and get home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Now, you, of course, know that torrential rains washed out the dirt roads and made it rather difficult to drive a chariot. So anyhow, that was the idea. 1 Kings 45. Now, the NLT says, and soon, this is where the message comes in, and it says, things happen fast. Say it with me. Things happen fast. The sky was black with clouds. Hallelujah. By the way, if you go back into the, the chapter prior to this, what is it? It's chapter 16. I think it's 16, where it talks about uh, Solomon actually building the temple. And he talks about God in the cloud. When the cloud came down, what did it do? It, it was his presence. He was in the cloud. And I'd never realized this. He was always in a dark cloud. You'd think it'd be a brilliant white, and it will be in heaven. But on earth, it isn't. And whenever you read about the Lord coming, the cloud is always represented as a dark cloud. And God is in it. And that's what we're seeing here. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Now I'm going to stop there with Elijah. God is coming quickly. They waited three years, and then in that last moment of time, seven times they looked, and finally, there was a little teeny cloud on the horizon. And that's all it should take to energize our faith. We have been given a little cloud. We've witnessed it. We've heard from God that He's coming soon. He's going to pour out His Spirit. Like a whale, all flesh, men and women, boys and girls. Like a wave crashing over us, but in a good way. The Spirit of the living God is about to envelop us. Are you ready? Are you ready? How many would agree that there is a drought in the land? And God wants to bring His rain. This requires that those of us who are thirsty, and I said this already, what do we do? Cup our hands to receive from Him. Now, this is just a metaphor. The cupping of your hand. It's similar to doing this. And I, I've shared this many years ago, but when we open ourselves up like this, what are we doing? We're like a funnel. And when the Holy Spirit comes, when we lift our hands to worship Him, it's like a funnel and God is pouring His Spirit into us. When we do this, in the sense of, this is that spiritual metaphor, we're saying, God, I want it. I'm dry, I'm thirsty, I need You. And how many know that that's what God wants from us, is to know that we want Him. Can you cup your hand right now and just say, come on, Lord. Or as Tony Van Duser says so much, he's worn it out. Come on, Jesus. 
If you know Tony, you know what I'm saying. In a good way. That was in all respect. <laughs> he does say that a lot. We need to look for the smallest evidence that God is about to answer our prayers. Put our faith into action and be expecting. And when he starts to move, listen, it's going to happen quickly. Second, you must go boldly to the throne. Now, this is where some of us fail. Well, I'm just me. I'm a nobody. We're all nobodies. There's only one who's important. And that's God himself. But he's chosen to partner with us, to call us his kids. And that's what we have to move on. That's what we have to accept. When the devil whispers in your ear, you're a nobody. You tell him, well, I'm a king's kid. Didn't you say that, Mary? I'm a king's kid. And I know where I'm going in the end. Where are you going? And you all know that he's going to be chained up and thrown into the furnace of hell forever and ever and ever. And he knows it too. But when you remind him of that, it does not make him happy. It blesses God when you and I come to him. God's temple used to be confined to just a certain few people. Not everybody could get to him. The priests that were allowed to go into this inner sanctuary, they had to go through this, 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 this purification process that took days. And then only a couple would be allowed in. Everybody else just stood as gawkers. Kind of like some of you. But listen, we aren't called to be gawkers. Because Jesus changed that. When Jesus of Nazareth suffered, died, on the cross at Calvary and was buried in that tomb, the rich man's tomb, the moment that Jesus was crucified, the moment that he said, Lord, it is finished. He took his last breath. Something happened. Well, don't get ahead of me. First, there were, there were earthquakes, lightning, the trembling of heaven could be felt. And I'm certain the trembling of the demonic. And that's when, as my good brother said, oops, where'd it go? At that moment of Jesus' death, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Why? Say it louder. We all have access to God. When that veil was rent from top to bottom, it meant that that barrier that used to stand between men and God had been removed by God Himself. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good news. 
And heaven is now accessible through Christ and his atoning sacrifice. Atoning meaning he paid the price for us to become children of God. And as born-again believers, we're no longer restricted from God. Rather, we are invited to enter into that inner sanctuary. And not through somebody else, but through Jesus, you. Every, every person that is a Christian, that is identified as a Christ follower, you have that privilege. And that's good news. And that leads to this passage of Scripture. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Say boldly. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy, and He will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's good news. So first, you have to exercise your faith. Make it in action. Second, you have to go boldly to the Lord. He wants you to do this. And then finally, last but certainly not least, we must practice what Jesus preached he told his disciples to ask. Let's read this. I tell you the truth, John 14, 12 through 14. Anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Anyone who believes in me, say anyone. Anyone, anyone isn't just the disciples that he's talking to. It's any born-again believer. Say, that's me. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to, the to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it sometimes. Oh, did I misread that? You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, Ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Ask, believe, expect, repeat. Ask, believe, expect, repeat. And listen, probably one of the most difficult things that a Christian has to get in their hearts and minds is that God wants to hear from you. And Mary said it, or somebody said it earlier, we have the authority to overcome the evil. Jesus already did it. We just have to exercise it. So what are we waiting for? When this wave comes crashing over us, the opportunities are going to be unending, limitless. There's so many people that need to hear about Jesus. And, and listen to me, I don't care who it is, if evangelism isn't a part of what that church or, or body or ministry does, then it's not from God. God is in the evangelistic movement. And any church that, that is worth its salt will be trying to reach others. Sharing their, their story, their testimony of how God moved in their lives. How many here have been affected like that? 
You have been changed miraculously from the inside out. Raise your hand. Maybe we'll do that next week. I like that. I heard somebody say, give a testimony. Maybe we'll do that next week. Keep it short, brief, and amazing, as Brian Jurgensen said. Keep it short. Maybe next week we'll have some of you share that. What has God done? And, and listen, I don't want you to get up here and, and, and get the spotlight pointed on you. If you're going to come up here, I want you to think about this, pray about this, and say, Lord, how can I bring glory to you? Amen. What you've done in my life, how can that be positive? And draw people in. All right? Maybe. Next week. We'll see. I have to pray this through too. In closing. Yes, I'm going to close. I've already said this. Faith is an action. Say it with me. Faith is an action. Two. We need to go boldly to the throne of God. And three. Ask in Jesus' name. When we do these things, it's going to happen fast. Mm. Can you feel it? Can you feel it at all? And I, I said this when I started, I don't want to work anything up. If this isn't genuine, I don't want it. I don't want a bunch of fanatics calling things out that aren't there. But if it's real, if it's from God, man, Lord, come. Have your way. Would you stand with me? I think it's time. I think we're going to see some amazing, miraculous things happen. We don't need a sign. We already believe. But the signs are for the unbelievers. And they need to see it. Just like the people saw that the 450 wailing, crying, scratching false prophets couldn't do a thing. And then when they witnessed the man of God doing it, what did it do? It changed their whole faith structure. For lack of a better word. They saw it and they went, whoa, apparently this guy knows his God. Because he just burnt those, that pile of wood to a crisp. There's nothing left. I can serve a God like that. So if God begins to move here, are we ready? Do this, do this. Say this with me, Father, in Jesus' name. Pour into my cup. I'm ready. I want to receive. Now do with me. As you pour it in, I pray I pour it out. Now throw it. Throw it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wait. Wait. Wait a minute. Okay, you're done. You throw it out. Then what do you do? You come right back. See, this is the kind of God we serve. Lord, give me my daily bread. That's what you're doing. You're saying, I can't do this myself. But Lord, when you fill it up, I'm going to throw it out. And then I'm going to come right back for more. Does that make sense? 
Father, thank you again for everything you're doing here. I've got a few minutes. I just want to make sure if there's anybody here, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you're here and you say, Pastor Norm, I don't, I don't know if my heart stopped beating today that I would be ready for, the, for what's next. But I want to be. If that's you, just lift your hand up real quick so I can see you. Anybody here? Yep, yep. Hands going up. Thanks. Anybody else? I want to pray with you. I want you to pray with me. This is such a sweet moment. Today, your name is going to be written. If you pray this prayer with me, today, your name is going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Which means that when you get to the gates of heaven and the angel looks your name up, it's not going to be Peter, by the way. That's just a humor. But when they look that name up, it's going to, ah, there it is. Come on in. We have a seat for you. And the marriage supper of the Lamb. You are going to be welcomed into heaven forever. And the Bible says that the minute you pray this prayer, that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. God is rejoicing because you've chosen Him. And I want you to pray this according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. And it says this, if you believe and if you confess it, your sins, if you can believe and confess your sins to Him, He is faithful and just and He will forgive you of all your sins and make you a new person. I'm actually quoting another verse right now, but in Romans, let me read it. See, this is where I'm, ooh, this, I didn't realize I've got a whole bunch of study guides in this one. Got to get there. Romans 10, here we go. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And as the scripture says, anyone who puts anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So we're going to pray this prayer. You're going to pray with me and just say this out loud. Father, I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. And I want to be fixed. So I come to you. And I acknowledge the need for Jesus Christ to be my Savior. What he did on that cross. And even before the cross. He was beaten on my behalf. He bled out because of me. And when they hung him on that cross, he had my face, a picture of me in his heart. And Lord, today, I confess my sins. Put them under the blood. Make me a new person. Forgive me, Lord. And help me to love Love you, love love others, others. as you first loved me. me. I give you all that I am am. and all that I have. I 
committed into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give the Lord a hand. If you haven't gotten one of our books, booklets, it's a little green booklet. They'll have them over here, I'm sure. Uh, the Start of Something Wonderful, The New Life. Please take one with you. They're free. And it's just a guide to help you on your new journey. And I trust that God's going to keep you safe. And I look forward to seeing you again uh, next Friday, Saturday for the Christmas festival, for those who are helping on Friday to set up. And then... Uh, Okay, I guess that's it. Lord, keep us safe in our coming and in our going. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.